Shh. What's the matter, Morty? Great gowns, beautiful gowns. Fashion has changed. No, it hasn't. Hi, I'm Lauren Garoni. And I'm Chelsea Fairless. And welcome to another episode of the Every Outfit Podcast, where today we will be talking about a Sex in the City episode. Yeah, what's it called again? The Baby Shower. It's very aptly named. It's like Friends-like in that sense. The one with the baby shower. Exactly. But before we get into that, we really have survived the longest Halloween in human history. Doesn't it feel like Halloween took a full week this year? Well, I mean, you also thought that it was just on the last Saturday of every month and it wasn't on a particular date, which means the day of Halloween moves. And when it is on a Monday or a Tuesday, you are in for a long weekend of Halloweening. Well, also, Heidi Klum single-handedly extended it by two entire days, I think, just with her worm costume. I thought that Heidi Klum had given this up. Like, you know how... No, she just took off a year for COVID. Yeah, but you know how, like, certain beloved restaurants closed during the pandemic and never came back? I thought this was one of those things as well, but no. Well, and thank God for that. I feel like it wasn't just a brilliant Halloween costume. It wasn't just the best Halloween costume of all celebrity Halloween costumes. It was like a cultural reset. Well, because there's something about someone who is so... Hot? Yeah, iconically known for being sexy, just being like, I'm going to be this bizarre worm, dune, sleep paralysis demon for everyone. It was just so arresting watching the video of her talking in the worm costume. Like, that will stay with me forever. Have, have you seen the footage of her behind the DJ during the party? No. That's the one image from this night I haven't seen, I guess. It's like her trying to dance in the costume. It's so, so incredible. It runs so counter to hot girl Halloween. It's like, it. it's not, not only is it not like emphasizing her body, it's like obliterating her body as we know it in a way that's just feels really cool. Yeah, it is very reminiscent of What's that documentary or one of those short films that Isabella Rossellini does about like <laughs> frogs? Yes, 1000. <laughs> yeah, those short films that they play before any movie at the IFC Center in New York. Yeah. I love them. They're whimsical, they're delightful. But yeah, this is like the hyper realistic version of that. It did make me wonder that when. Heidi Klum and Seal got divorced if he breathed a sigh of relief that he wasn't going to have to do this Halloween I feel like yeah it's so it's she loves dressing up like remember when they got married every single year they would renew their vows yeah that was also a big red flag whatever how long were they together a long time like that's a successful marriage oh I mean in celebrity years they were married probably 20 years in reality let's see they were married between 2005 and 2014. Yeah, that is a that is a Hollywood long marriage. Yeah. Well, good for Heidi. She killed it. Also, as you know, I watch The View religiously. And the Halloween episode of The View is always the best episode of the entire year. Like, all the girls dress up. They do little skits. Like, it's just, it's very wholesome and fun. And there's always a theme for their costumes. And this year it was iconic television characters. And like 
Whoopi was like the Handmaid's Tale and Sarah was like Moira from Schitt's Creek. But Alyssa Farrah Griffin was Carrie Bradshaw and did a whole skit parodying the I couldn't help but wonder typing and stuff. Is this the new conservative on the show? Yes. This is the one that was previously Mike Pence's press secretary, the communications director under Donald Trump and the Trump administration. And normally I would share sort of any sex in the city adjacent thing on our Instagram account, even if it's a super conservative co-host. But Alyssa, it's like I actually can't (laughs) amplify this message uh, further. This woman is part of something so evil what did she say? I couldn't help but wonder if I was complicit in the January 6th riots. <laughs> no, she made some pun about the midterms, um, which completely escapes me. But yeah, so that happened. Might have gone under the radar for uh, for some people. That's true. What do you think the Venn diagram is of fanatical Sex and the City fans and view watchers? I think there's a lot of overlap, but it's like view people or view people. You either watch the view or you don't. Like I watch the view, you don't. Like that's fine. It's just, you know. It's like Housewives people. You either watch Housewives or not. Yeah, exactly. So we finally got some new outfits from the set of Anne Just Like That season two. I'm pretty sure like last season they're block shooting. So I think... Today and yesterday, they've been just shooting exteriors outside Carrie's apartment. I don't think all of these outfits are from one episode. I think they're going to be over a few. But which one do you want to start with? I guess the first one, which was the the men's fedora, the plaid Vivian Westwood coat. Then she had some sort of like chevron striped dress underneath that. At one, we so rarely get fall Carrie looks because the show... The original show was mainly shot in the summertime. And so we only got Carrie looks in the fall, I think, in the first film and now this series. So I'm excited for fall Carrie because we've never seen that much. But um, this outfit looks like what happens when the cut sends a photographer to the Rachel Comey sample sale and they photograph like all the people in line. Like this is giving like affluent Brooklyn woman. Which Carrie Bradshaw is very much not. Right. It is It is a different vibe for her. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Is this also the outfit she was wearing when she potentially runs into a bicyclist call it, causing him to fall off a bike? I saw footage yeah, of that this that week. Was, that was this outfit. And then she wore another outfit that at first glance looks like a white long sleeve Victorian style you know, maxi dress of some kind. That's what it looked like to me. Well, it's a jumpsuit, honey. Oh my goodness. It is a jumpsuit. And she is wearing that with the hat that Molly Rogers wanted her to wear in... um, The season finale of Anne Just Like That. Exactly. And this was like a big point of contention between Molly and Michael Patrick King in the Anne Just Like That documentary, which we obviously loved. Right. It's the it's the hat that they wanted to pair with, what is it, the Valentino dress that she was going to wear to drop Big's ashes into the Seine. Yeah. We know that Carrie is a vintage girl, obviously. She's the OG, but this the totality of this look is very, very vintage girl. This is like when the cut sends the photographer to Manhattan Vintage and is like photographed the attendees. You well, know? she quite literally has like a carpet bagger bag as yeah. well. There's that too. There's that too. 
it's a little too much, but we trust Molly and Danny. I'm sure there's a vision that we're just not understanding. Well, one look they really, really turned out, though, was the return of the Vivian Westwood wedding dress. Yes, which at first we thought perhaps this was a flashback, but what I think it... But, like, how? Because, like, the, you don't want anything that reminds you of Chris Noth. Like, what, what kind of flashback is that? And given that the accessories, the shoes, and the cape are different, I'm going to assume that this is what Carrie is going to wear to whatever ball that we saw Nicole Ari Parker in that amazing Valentino dress and uh, Charlotte, uh, Kristen Davis in that dominatrix horse girl look. Because Sarah Jessica Parker is photographed outside the Carrie Brownstone. So I think it's just a pickup shot of her leaving to go to this ball. Yeah, and it's different from the original because they added an opera cape and gloves that's like a similar teal color to the to the headpiece. And but she still has a bird on her head. She still has a bird on her head. Yeah, I, at this point, I mean, I assume they just reached out to Vivian Westwood and were like, can you make an opera cape? But it does also look very Valentino-esque. We don't know where it's from yet. Complete conjecture, but I would assume that the idea is that Carrie is trying to recontextualize this very important outfit in her life. Yeah, good for her. It's a shame that people only wear wedding dresses once. And Sarah Jessica herself very famously wore a black wedding dress and did one of those weddings where no one knew they were coming to a wedding. They thought they were just coming to a party, which I always think is kind of bullshit. And then they were like, well, sometimes you're just so famous that you have to do that. Like Jennifer Aniston and Justin Theroux. That is true. But it's 1997, Sarah Jessica Parker and Matthew Broderick. But they had one of those like, surprise, actually, we're getting married right now. That's cute. I think so. I agree. One other difference is... I think the dress is a different dress, actually. Interesting. It, it's, or, or either that or they altered the bodice of it. Because if you'll remember, the original Vivian Westwood dress had this just very like elongated, I don't, I don't even know the terminology for it. The bodice had like two almost like Batman pointy ears. Yeah, that sort of extended like quite far off her body, actually. Yeah. Uh, which led a lot of people to be like, the dress doesn't fit her, but it's like, that's not a fucking mistake. It's Vivian Westwood. You <laughs> right. idiot. Well, she um, also, Vivian Westwood has a line of bridal gowns where there's like a core amount of dresses. And I wonder if this is just... They still make this. Yeah, yeah I was going to say. This is probably just not the same one. It's probably a new one that was slightly toned down or something because the bodice is not the same. There you go. And that's what people come here for, is that <laughs> attention to detail. Also, we haven't seen Miranda yet, but Cynthia is obviously directing again. Oh, that's why you think she's on set. That's right. She was yeah. on set for the that bike scene. Yeah, we saw her behind the monitors. So she's clearly directing another ep. Great. The last one she directed was my favorite or my second favorite. Yeah. And I also noticed going back to the fall carry look, I believe that's when Sarah Jessica was captured by the paparazzi and she had a tote bag and in kind of gaffer's tape were her picks for different representatives. I know. What a snowflake. <laughs> but also people kept DMing us and were like, Carrie's not into politics. And I had to be like, I'm pretty sure that's just Sarah Jessica Parker's tote bag, that she carries her books that she reads between takes. And she knew the paparazzi were going to be there. Yeah. These are all people that are up for election in the midterms. So, yeah. And yeah, we also saw Charlotte in a tasteful kind of floral shirt dress with, 
little uh, Richard Burton is back. Did you notice his harness? I didn't. What is the harness, Chelsea? It's exactly what I've been looking for forever, which for my dog, for my bulldog, which is like a black leather harness that looks like a chest harness that like a gay man would wear, but it's for a dog. You've long talked about this. You and Tad have often spoke about how you want to get one made for Quido from like a leather daddy shop. But if this one exists, I mean, I of course I already DM'd Molly and Danny being like, where can I get this harness? <laughs> but if that if that falls through, then if anyone else has any recs about like some LA-based guy that makes harnesses that wouldn't mind making one for a dog, just let me know. I know this is beside the point. Is that a rape whistle on your keychain? Yeah. I inherited my mom's old car during the pandemic and it came with a rape whistle. So I know, isn't that 90s? Wow. I also have a taser in my glove compartment. Well, that's just necessary. Yeah. All right. Shall we get into the episode? Sure. You know, we've resisted doing a season one episode, and I don't know why. I think because when I do a rewatch, I typically start in season two because there's something about and we've discussed this before, shows that began in the late 90s that went into the 2000s, there's something about that those season ones that don't age as well. Like Buffy is another example of this, where there's something about the, for the season one that's like real 90s, when the rest of the seasons kind of hold up and right. feel modern. But this episode is completely fucking brilliant. It is. It's written by a woman that didn't end up being in the core writing team. Her name is Terry Minsky. And she went on to write the Lizzie McGuire show. I think she wrote two episodes in season one for Sex and the City. Or actually, she wrote um, The Baby Shower and then she wrote Shortcomings in season two. Another brilliant, iconic episode. And then she went off to write the Gina Davis show. And then she created Lizzie McGuire. Hmm. Which I never watched because I was a 13-year-old watching Sex and the City. But... <laughs> Yeah, I was definitely too old for that. But it's seemingly a millennial touchstone. Also, this episode directed by Susan Seidelman, such an icon, who directed Desperately Seeking Susan and more importantly, She-Devil. <laughs> One of your favorite movies. One of my favorite movies. And also the punk classic Smithereens starring Richard Hell, which features a brief appearance by um, Chris Noth playing like a a male hustler of some kind. Interesting. Is the smithereens with Diane Lane with the red eye makeup? No, that's, um, ladies and gentlemen, fabulous stains. But There we go. But falls within the same genre of movie, I guess. But yeah, that movie came out before Desperately Seeking Susan. But she's a genius director and should have gotten more prestige television jobs, frankly. Yeah, it's weird. By season four of Sex and the City, they really phase out pretty much all female directors. And that I remember that being a big thing when the show began. To yeah, I don't think there were any in the last season by no. the time it got to be season six. Or at least, at the very least, by the time it got to be season 6B, there were none. But in the beginning, it was a who's who. But I think that was also part of a very purposeful choice, obviously, but to show its otherness what distinguished it from other things that were on at the time. And I think the subject matter in this episode was one of the pillars of why they wanted to make Sex and the City Sex and the City. And they go back to this a couple of times. Mm -hmm. The What is it? Catch 38 and then A Woman's Right to Shoes are very similarly speaking about women who choose to not have children. 
and the privilege or lack of privilege they face. Yeah, and we have to remember that was so forward thinking for the time period. Even now, I think this episode is kind of edgy and brilliant in the way that they position single women that don't have children as the protagonists and married people with kids as the monsters that torture them. Like, it's just not done that often. Which is funny because for us as millennials, we'll never have children because of the (laughs) climate apocalypse. So we're in good company these days. (laughs) Having children is a privilege that stopped at Gen X, I think. Yeah. To begin, is this when Carrie's address becomes canon? Is this the first time we see her? I think so, yeah. Yeah, I, I think so. 245 E73rd Street. Because this episode opens with Lainey, I guess, or whatever calligrapher she hired to do her baby shower invites. In Greenwich, Connecticut. That's a very busy person, a calligrapher in Greenwich, (laughs) Connecticut. Yeah, writing out Carrie's address on the front of this envelope. I did like the voiceover, which I still feel is very true. Nothing's harder than being happy for other people like lottery winners or people who are extremely successful at 27. I know. I was like, tat? (laughs) I think one of the things that the early seasons do that really get lost in the later seasons is all of them hanging out in Carrie's apartment. Yeah. Where it's like, it's not about going to a bar sometimes. Sometimes it's just about sitting in Carrie's bed and watching TV and bitching about life. Yeah, it's really cute to see them all together bitching about the fact that they've all received these invitations to the baby shower. Charlotte, of course, doesn't mind I did find it interesting that Miranda bitches about a a crepe paper stork. Because if you remember during her baby shower, she's like, I don't want any storks. Yeah, she hates a stork. I don't think that the writers remembered this from season one when they wrote Miranda's baby shower in season four. But it is interesting what kind of... Well, there's also Overlaps. a well. There's also a disconnect because, based on this episode, I would think that Miranda never had any interest in having children at all. Well, according to and just like that, she never did. <laughs> if you'll remember, Brady began as an abortion. <laughs> so funny. I need. You know what I should do for Christmas is I should find someone on Etsy to make a needlepoint pillow that just says. <laughs> Yeah, that's the Christmas present I need, Laura. Yeah. You, st- you have time to get someone to do that. I know. Brady began as an abortion. People forget. In case our listeners forget, Michael Patrick King said that when? In an interview? Was it in the end just like that documentary? It's either the, I think it was. It's either the documentary or one of the after episode podcasts. Oh yeah. I like how Samantha's like, it's so sad the way that she's using a child to validate her existence. It's like, that's such a funny and bitchy and perfect thing to say. Samantha really has some good zingers in this app. I mean, Samantha from minute one of the series is a good friend through and through. So as they're talking about this baby shower for that they're invited to, their old friend Lainey, we get a flashback to how they all know her. And is this the only flashback we ever got? We get flashes to different things, but like a straight up, this is also a very Friends-esque flashback shot in, I don't even think a real set. It really does feel like a wallpaper of a brick wall. (laughs) 
you have Miranda with a bob. You've got Carrie with a pink cowboy hat and sort of season two-esque long hair. Yeah, I love when she pulls a Western look. It never really gets old. We're evidently in Samantha's apartment, and I love this idea that Lainey is fucking on Samantha's couch in, f- in full view of everyone. And so Samantha goes, if she fucks on my couch, she has to buy it. And Carrie goes, isn't that how you got the couch from me? I was like, <laughs> ooh, I wish we had more of this in the series. So Lainey is established as some sort of party girl, works in the music industry. Model scout? something i don't know they were like she's always fucking some rock star suffice to say she always comes back from whatever business trip she's going on with a gyne a gynecological condition no one has heard of (laughs) you really feel a lot of like kind of the hatred that women had for themselves and for other women like this feels very late 90s especially when they get into like the kind of diet culture stuff that happens once they get to Connecticut but I thought it was so interesting that when they discuss when Carrie and her voiceover is discussing the Samantha Laney rivalry she says that both of them are incredibly insecure yeah it's like Samantha's not insecure she doesn't have an insecure bone in her body but also like what a shitty thing to say about your friend yeah I refuse to accept that Although this scene gave us a really great Miranda line where she's like, I have low self-esteem, but I express it the healthy way by eating an entire box of double stuff Oreos or something like that. Very fair. Also, they bemoan that they didn't think that Lainey would get married and have children because they thought that she was supposed to have sex with Sid Vicious and move to heroin. It's like, what the fuck? Oh, yeah, I just wanted my... We thought my our friend would develop a horrific drug addiction and, you know, die of an overdose. <laughs> but instead, she moved to Connecticut? That crazy bitch. This is where they established that they think that motherhood is like being in a cult. I think the pumpkin rolled into the street and people are crashing over it. <laughs> really? Yeah, probably. Should you go and move it? Lauren has fatal Halloween decorations. Yeah, guys, it's a windy day in Los Angeles. Do you see someone drove over it? Look, there's like <laughs> literal tire marks on this pumpkin. <laughs> so sorry. So what were we discussing? Motherhood being a cult. Yes. It kind of is a cult in the sense that I think a lot of parents have had some form of a spiritual epiphany or something through having a child, right? Like that's a life-changing experience. Well, I was just with my friend who I've known and partied with in my early 20s who now has two children under the age of three and she straight up looked me in the eyes and she's like, oh, you're not the same person. She's like, that person is gone and you're a different person now. I was like, oh, cool. What? She's a different person now. You're the same person. I'm the same person, yes. But I think she's qualifying that motherhood literally makes you a different person. From what I've heard, it changes your life in an incredibly profound way. That's a feeling that's totally valid. But at the same time, I think this episode does a really good job of addressing the tension between single, unmarried, childless people, or excuse me, child-free people, and, you know, married people with kids, because there is, like, it exists. There's that tension, and then there's the idea of losing someone to motherhood, which Miranda says, I've lost two sisters to motherhood. Yeah. I completely forgot that we have a Carrie thinking she's pregnant storyline because this never happens again. I mean, Carrie in season two gets her diaphragm stuck inside her. But 
Carrie's period being late, I did not realize they had done as a storyline. And it's a good one. Not that I've ever had a pregnancy scare, but this feels like kind of legit. Yeah, that's the one thing with lesbianism you don't need to face, really. Yeah, it's pretty tight, to be honest. Wait, did I tell you that like a year ago I had like a fake pregnancy scare? What do you mean? Like your period was late? Well, (laughs) I had a dream that I found out I was pregnant. And I occasionally have prophetic dreams. Like the night before I got into Parsons, I had a dream I got into Parsons. It's like I forgot about the dream and then I remembered it. And I remember exactly where I was because we were coming out of seeing House of Gucci. And I was like, wouldn't that be crazy if I was pregnant? I was like, let me go take a test. Because if you are a person that has, if you're a female that has sex with men, you just have pregnancy tests, just in case. What brand do you like? You know, first response is great, but... That's the one that Carrie got. <laughs> and as Miranda said, I had a very good experience with first response once. Well, what it, whichever one it was, they have like the line test and then they now have these like uh, word readout tests where it's like pregnant or non, non-pregnant. So I had a singular test and it was one of those kinds. And I, I think I need the words. Like everything else is too ambiguous. Well, just you wait because I peed <laughs> on it and immediately was like pregnant. And no. I was like... Wait, what? And then I didn't have another test and it was like midnight and it was still COVID protocol. So there was no pharmacy open 24 hours now. And so I just like sat for like- Oh my God. I sat for 10 hours being like, what if I'm pregnant? Like, what would life be like? So you had a night where you were like Carrie throughout this entire episode. That's true. Chelsea, there could be a two month old sitting next (laughs) to us during this podcast. If you fucking think Frosty is annoying- (laughs) (laughs) so the next morning I got a pregnancy test and then it was it was negative and then I read about all like the false positives that these like word readout tests give you okay so like it is just about one line two lines a (laughs) plus sign a minus sign okay okay you know whenever you need to take a pregnancy test (laughs) it's a real shame that today's episode is not sponsored by modern fertility rough there's a lot of I mean it's it's Funny in a very dark way, but a lot of like cruel ways of talking about Laney. Carrie goes, Yeah, they're really, really fucking mean. While Laney is having a baby shower, you pull over as if like she's a car wreck that you have to go see. Yeah, like we have to drive all the way to Connecticut just to see this crazy bitch because yeah. she's pregnant. Not that I think that this is foreshadowing, but I do find it interesting that they rent a Mustang and Carrie is the only one who can drive. Quite like the LA episode, they rent a vintage Mustang and Carrie is the one who is driving. That was so legit though, because they all hop in the car. They're like, who can drive? Which is just like a New York thing. You're not necessarily used to driving around with your New York friends, or at least I wasn't. Out of all of them, I would assume Miranda would be the driver. I'm sure Miranda can also drive. And Samantha. Yeah, they can all drive. They could all drive. <laughs> all of them can drive. Do all of them want to drive? I also love the outfits that they wear to the baby shower because they're all wearing black overcoats. Samantha and Miranda, I think, are both wearing black leather overcoats. And then Samantha and Carrie are both wearing sunglasses and headscarves because they're like in a convertible. You're also forgetting about the fuchsia two-button sweater with nothing underneath it and navel showing from (laughs) Samantha. Maybe the most inappropriate thing you can wear to a baby shower, unless you're going to like Emrata's baby shower or something. Yeah. 
And Samantha brought whiskey as a gift to the baby shower. Miranda brought condoms. Carrie completely forgot about gifts and didn't get anything for Lena. And then Charlotte, of course, got some like elaborate something. Again, another thing, which I don't, I don't know. I haven't been to a baby shower in forever, but doesn't that diaper contraption that Charlotte brings very similar to that like three-story diaper cake that Carrie brings for Miranda's baby shower? I don't know, but they both involved a lot of cellophane. That much I know. Do we not do cellophane anymore? I mean, I'm not buying like baby shit from weird Upper East Side baby stores, so I don't know. I guess it's just the FK Twig song, Cellophane, which is about her breakup with Robert Pattinson, which I didn't know until the Batman. Oh, look at you. Always bringing it back to the Marvel. <laughs> oh, by the way, I thought you'd appreciate the fact that I legitimately thought that Kim Kardashian was Avatar <laughs> until I saw like the 10th post about it. And like she she used the X-Men like theme or something. I was like, oh, it's not Avatar. Yeah. It's x-men x-men she's mystique from x-men she used the avengers theme which like mystique is not in the avengers also batman is dc not marvel but anyway <laughs> okay so who like what actor played that character rebecca romaine played mystique in the brian singer films okay. and then jennifer lawrence played mystique in the latest x-men movies okay so not avatar then not avatar at all so they get to Connecticut. Thinking that for some reason, Lainey will just open the door and be miserable and their own feelings will be validated. But of course, she's happy. Is she? Well, she's having a baby shower. Her friends are there. She lives in a nice house. Not yeah. my taste, but you know. This toxic 90s diet culture, though, like this reminded me of like something out of an Ally McBeal episode. Samantha goes, you're so fat. And Lainey goes, jealous? I can eat anything I want. But it's like, actually, you can't. You'll still have to lose the weight. It's not like being pregnant makes you metabolize all of your food yeah. faster or something. It's like, I didn't even get that. I don't know. I think that's a very surface level idea of what pregnancy can allow you to do. Totally. Well, it was also previously established that Samantha only wanted to go to see how fat she had gotten. And she wasn't fat enough, evidently. But Lainey qualifies that Samantha's life is so so sad. Is she still bar hopping and bed hopping? Very condescending. Do you think like as a single person without a child, have you had like encounters with people with kids where you do feel a bit of that condescension or no? I'm trying to think because I feel like only our friends have children. I mean, we see yeah. them so rarely when they have children, but no, I feel like every person in my life who's had a kid is just like, this is the hardest shit ever. Like, it's great, but oh my God, it's so hard. Totally. Tell me who you're fucking right now, please. My life is so boring. <laughs> yeah, and then you have to do that weird single person like comedy routine about like all of your Tinder dates and stuff for them. Yeah, very Miranda. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I don't know. I think I obviously agree in the sense that most of my friends that have kids are just like very chill, whatever. But I definitely have heard people say to me things to the effect of like, you know, when I before I had kids, like my life was just so stupid and meaningless, you know, when I was just single and, and dating. And now because of little Timmy, I finally understand what it's all about. And it's like, I get it. 
like I said, like having a child clearly an experience like no other. But it also does kind of like make someone that isn't married without kids feel like shit, which is, I think, where Miranda and uh, Samantha and Carrie's contempt for these people comes from. Yeah, and it's rooted in a very third wave feminist idea of motherhood versus deciding to be child free. But I don't know. I feel like when people say that shit, it's such a self-report on what their lives were like when they didn't have children. Yeah. Well, also, I feel like sometimes like I feel like they say that, but they're also trying to justify their life choices in a weird way, if that makes any sense. Right. It's like you don't seem that happy, though, (laughs) you know? I know, and we're not, we are bitches, but we're not bitchy enough to be like, are you happy? Does your life have meaning? Yeah. It's like the life has meaning, but also like I'm very depressed. <laughs> this is not universally true, of course. I'm just saying like. We immediately in this baby shower, we get no games, thank God. We go directly to the present opening and we get our, I couldn't help but wonder, which is very concise. You can tell that yeah, it the, is. as the seasons went on, they got a little more flowery with the, the language there. So the, I couldn't help but wonder is, as I watched Lainey tear open a terry cloth baby bib with the same enthusiasm she used to reserve for tearing off Rockstar's pants, I couldn't help but wonder, was I next? Yeah, it's not like universally applicable. Like most of her, I couldn't help but wonder. It's like we can't really weigh in like we usually do. Other than to say, what if Carrie did get pregnant in her early 30s and it was Big's baby? What would that be like? It didn't seem like she wanted to keep it. She might have just had her second abortion, you know? That's true. Just saying. Yeah, I can't really see Big and Carrie. We've, I believe, discussed this on past episodes. I can't see them as parents. They are the actors themselves individually parents. But I think Carrie would make an amazing stepmother to Aiden's children. For sure. Yeah, she's a very good aunt to Lily and Rock. Yeah, she's got fun aunt energy. Another thing that completely threw me for a loop was I forgot the people on the street footage that used to be in Sex and the City in season one and two. Oh, the people talking to camera. Yeah, the guests of this baby shower at one point start talking to camera and basically talking about how miserable their lives are. My favorite one was the woman who goes, you know, I'm happy, but... Sometimes when I put my child down to sleep, I I can't help but think about Lisa. I know. I love her. We posited that this, I call it people on the street, but yeah, the people talking to camera was inspired by the HBO docuseries show Real Sex that was also very popular at the time. Totally. And also Candace's column, like there was a very like anthropological feel to it that maybe didn't come through to the show as much. She was interviewing New Yorkers and reporting on people's sex lives and love lives and stuff in that way. So it sort of ties more into that. Sorry, I'm making myself laugh thinking about if girls had done this same thing. And it just would be like, you know, Jessa Jessa and Adam and then would just cut to like a random Brooklynite on the street. Sure. Do you agree with Miranda when she says the witch in Hansel and Gretel very misunderstood? She builds her dream house and then these brats come along and start eating it. For sure. I mean, maybe they didn't deserve to be eaten. Like, I don't think the punishment fits the crime. This gets into our conversation last week about, like, anti-hero. What's the pipeline from anti-hero to psychopath? And it's like, you know, she could be mad that they started eating her home, but, like, trying to murder them is... Yeah, that's a bridge too far. But are these our options for 
aspirational single women, women in a Jacqueline <laughs> Suzanne novel, and the unnamed witch from Hansel and Gretel. Okay, we need to talk about that because Eleni, in her typical sort of condescending tone, says to Charlotte something to the effect of what I said before, right? Like, God, I didn't get what life was all about, you know? Life isn't just a Jacqueline Suzanne novel. If someone said that to my face, I would slap them. That's like the worst thing I've ever heard. It's like, okay, so caring about sex, romance, and glamour isn't cool. You've missed the point of life. That's true. And also it's like, those are much needed components from what I understand to sustain a healthy long-term marriage. Exactly. (laughs) I think where things go awry is this idea that at a certain point, women age out and we must become breeders. And that's kind of our only focus and goal in life. Which, by the way, all of these women started like fake fur shawl businesses once those kids turned eight or ten. Yeah. Okay. We need to discuss Charlotte's secret baby name. Okay. Because I don't believe that Charlotte and the character she became would ever want to name a daughter Shayla. It is a terrible name. I am sorry if we have any Shayla listeners, but... Yeah, don't like shade our Shayla listeners. Oh, speaking of which, that reminds me. Complete digression also related to The View. (laughs) So Chelsea Clinton was on The View the other day, and she talked about her kids, Charlotte and Aiden. She named her kids Charlotte and Aiden, and there's a third one that doesn't have a Sex in the City name, but that seems like... Purposeful. It seems purposeful, right? Yeah, and from what I've gleaned from watching an episode of Gutsy, she doesn't really have a personality of her own, so I believe (laughs) that she would just... There's no one that Lauren hates more than Chelsea Clinton. We got into this on a Patreon episode once, but you really do not like her. She really rubs you the wrong way. All right. Going back to the episode. Yeah. So Charlotte's secret baby name is Shayla, which is very different than the floral names she would go on to give her children. Well, it just doesn't seem that waspy also. No. So Lainey, <laughs> Lainey reveals that she's going to name the child Shayla, which fine. Let her have that shitty name, Charlotte. It's fine. And Charlotte is incensed because at some point prior to the series beginning, in a drunken moment of confidence, she told Lainey her secret baby name, which you never do. You never tell people what you want to name do your Do you child. have a secret baby name? I told it to you once and you were like, you can't name your child that. Really? What was it? It was Severin. <laughs> Oh, you absolutely can't name your child that. I can't believe I forgot about that. You don't want anyone to Google where that name came from. Yeah, that's like a fucked up thing to put on a child. I'm just saying like people that genuinely name their child Lolita. Yeah, like that's no one does that. That's fucked up. No one does that. That's on the same level, though, I think. It comes from the first BDSM novel called Venus and Furs, but... Which you can't name your child after. Is that the first, though, or was it just... Po- I think it was just popular. All right, so that name has existed before. <laughs> yeah, but, it, like, the name is so associated with that. It's like how you can't, like... Someone else can't be named Cher without the associations. I guess you're correct. What about Severin for a middle name? I think you need to... <laughs> Focus on names that have not been used in Velvet Underground songs. So Femme Fatale is also out? (laughs) Anyway, I think the most important thing about this scene is that Samantha remains the MVP of friendship 
doesn't even know, walks in the scene, doesn't know what's happening. Charlotte's like, she stole my baby name. And she just goes, you bitch. Yeah. Well, she was ready, but incredibly loyal. And that's who Samantha is. And that's what makes the way that she was written off on and just like that feel a little unrealistic because she is portrayed as a ride or die from the very beginning of this show. And I think this episode is a great example of, of what a great friend she is. So then they end up in a bar, some roadside bar off the highway. And Charlotte says, I don't want to be one of those 40 year old moms, which rude, but also she became a 40 year old mom. (laughs) So rude. I don't think there's anything wrong with being a 40-year-old mom. Well, again, as millennials, our timeline for outside markers of success, career, personally, have shifted a bit. So yeah. I think 40 is like a normal age. I get that like it gets like tick-tock, tick-tock with your biological clock and shit, but I still feel like everyone's having kids at 40 now. That's very true. I think that's a big difference from then and now. Yeah. Carrie also talks about the mythological cool hip mom who lives in New York City and has a great job. I think Vogue in the 2000s did a lot. Well, that person does exist. Like, everyone was like, who is that? Like, you don't know anyone like that. But I feel like that's a person in New York, for sure. I do think maybe this episode went a little far in slandering moms, but I appreciate the sentiment behind it. I was because gonna... it was give, it was showing solidarity with single women and validating their experiences, and I think that's cool. Yeah, I was gonna say that's a whole subgenre of fa- fashion magazine coverage. Is the cool New York City mom who somehow looks fabulous and has three kids? Yeah, and a brownstone in Brooklyn. This is where Carrie reveals that she is late by seven days, and Samantha says that's a gray area. You're in front of the firing squad, but you haven't been shot yet. Brilliant. She has such good dialogue in this episode. Miranda tries to comfort Carrie by saying, oh, I was 10 days late once. And Carrie goes, oh, were you having sex? And she just goes, no. (laughs) So we're back in the city. Charlotte takes out her wish box, which I guess is the OG vision board. Like, was Charlotte practicing the secret before the secret? Well, wait, there's a name for that, though. It's like a chest, like a hope chest. That's like a full ass thing that you put stuff in that like you think will apply to your life later or something. Obviously, I never did that, but of course not. That's why none of our dreams came true. (laughs) I mean, in the episode, they call it a wish box. Hmm. She has a wish box. She has a pillow with Shayla embroidered on it. She also, her dream man is JFK Jr. Fair enough. Like she's not wrong there. She did get everything she wanted, but not in the way she thought she would. That's how life is. I did write down, would Carrie make a good mom? I think this is when Miranda and Carrie are in the drugstore buying Tess. And that's when Miranda goes, can you picture it? Us with kids? And it's like, well, one of you will have a child. <laughs> yeah, I can, I can picture you with kids quite easily. Carrie's like, am I maternal? And, and Miranda's like, eh. Yeah, you're maternal. I have a maternal side, for sure. Very much so. The way, sure. you, the way you take care of baby Quito and his cod flaps. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's what Chelsea calls his, like, what do you call them? I don't know, the flaps that just that droop off his face. We yeah. call them cod flaps just because he eats just stinky raw cod. He's on a raw diet now. It's a whole ass thing. And your dog is soon to be on one too. I know. Our, our dog babies. It sucks because... We're not even out here trying to be these bitches that have their dogs on a raw food diet. Like, you just give your dog straight up kibble. 
and maybe that's why he's losing his hair. <laughs> See, exactly. I know. I just got a homeopathic vet recommendation from Chelsea. Yeah. Out in Malibu. He's great. See, at least with children, they eventually start talking. The issue with dogs is they just won't tell you what's wrong with them. Yeah. But still, even with my dog's recent health stuff, it's like given me so much empathy uh, for parents that have kids with health stuff, especially when they can't fucking talk to you. How does anyone deal with that? Also, so fucking expensive. I don't know how people afford having kids. I actually don't. They don't. That's a big problem. I mean, you figure it out, like whatever your circumstance, which is cool. No more J.W. Anderson pigeon clutches for us. (laughs) Yeah, no. We make that the lunchbox for our child. (laughs) What, it can fit like one granola bar in it? But the mini size. By the way, that's the only way to do it is you and I need to have children at the same time. If we're going to do this... We have to have kids at the same time because the thing that freaks well, me out. Well, what's your timeline? Like, what are what's happening? I mean, nothing's happening right now, but I don't know. Next five years? Okay. That's, that's soon. That's tomorrow. That's not tomorrow. I guess five years isn't tomorrow. What are you thinking, 10 years? No, I'm not thinking 10 years. Well, I guess if you froze your eggs or something, you could do 10 years. That's true. Look, I'm not giving birth to anything personally, so it doesn't. that stuff doesn't really affect me. It's great having a younger wife, but... Wow, this has been like an oddly personal episode. <laughs> wonder how much of this I'm going to cut out. Yeah, we'll, we'll see. Anyway, for an episode where not a ton of stuff happens, they do pack in a lot because I completely forgot that Lainey then comes back into the city because Samantha decides to throw a I'm not pregnant party. Great idea for a party. Let's normalize celebrating other milestones in life that don't have anything to do with getting married or having kids. Right, which again would, would be a recurring theme throughout the show. This feels like if we were to do Sex and the City double features, which might be a cool idea, like pairing two spiritually connected episodes, I feel like I would pair this with A Woman's Right to Shoes because that's essentially what Carrie does to Tatum O'Neill is like, hey, I bought you all this shit for these markers in your life. Buy me this pair of Manolo Blahniks, please. Well, A Woman's Right to Shoes and Splat are also all exploring the idea of like, okay, this is like what happens when a party girl ages or evolves or whatever. Obviously Lexi Featherston never settled down and had kids and as we know she never she never will, but Lainey and Tatum O'Neill are both like reformed party girls. Whereas Carrie, the girls aren't really there yet in their lives. No, and they forge a different path. But Certainly Lainey's having buyer's remorse. I forgot that there's talking to the camera because it only happens once in this episode and it's when Carrie turns to the camera before the Samantha party and goes, the truth is Lainey's hormones have been raging since she was a teenager. And it like spooked me because I was like, oh, fuck, I forgot. She talks to the camera. (laughs) Charlotte reads Lainey to filth. She says, I had a dream and you killed it. Yeah, I love that she confronts her and she throws the Jacqueline Suzanne diss back at her, which is cool. As she should. Yeah. The necklace that Miranda is wearing in this party scene, she will go on to wear in different episodes. I can't remember which specific ones, but I have seen that silver necklace in other episodes for sure. Hmm. Yeah, I don't remember it at all. Have you ever had a moment where a pregnant woman wants to engage in some single raucous behavior and it's super awkward? Like, no. You never had a pregnant woman, no, want to show their tits? No. 
Which, sure, fair if you do, but, like, Lainey is very awkward about it. She's almost manic, and it's dark. She clearly isn't very happy. And as Samantha said, as she starts stripping in front of a crowd of horrified onlookers, this is the most fabulous validation. Oh, I thought you were going to say, doesn't she have the line where it's like, if she gives birth on that couch, she's buying it? Oh, yeah. That was a great callback. So Lainey is humiliated. Carrie puts her in a cab. Judging by this exterior, Samantha originally lived in Soho, which makes a ton of sense. Lainey gives the very dark, sharp objects-esque line, one day you're going to wake up and not recognize yourself. Yeah, it's fucked. Again, a self-report. Like, that's on you. Yeah, that's truly terrifying. That's my worst nightmare, not recognizing myself anymore. And that's fair enough, but that also takes a bit of agency from the woman who made those decisions that led to this experience. Like, it's not just like you get pregnant and, I mean, we've spoken about this from what we understand. We have not personally experienced it, but your life does change. But like, Lainey, I think, made many decisions. And something tells me Lainey didn't know who she was in her 20s to begin with. Right. There's a, I think there's a certain type of person that tries to find salvation in a marriage, in having children, where they don't focus on themselves first. Well, there's also people that are just extreme people that will bounce from one extreme to the next. Um, Very when true. Whatever extreme they were fucking with no longer works for them anymore. The episode ends with Carrie at a playground, just watching children. Wondering if this is uh, what she wants to do. And uh, yeah, the tone of it is a little bittersweet. And then as she's leaving the park, we get the excellent voiceover on the way home. I got my period. Perfect ending. Lights out. Perfect ending. I do think it's interesting that you have this episode in season one, and they really don't address the idea of Carrie and motherhood until season six. Catch 38. Yeah, where it's like, well, you're 38, so you've obviously made the decision if you want kids or not. But it didn't seem like she wanted kids in this episode. Or that I would get that vibe from her anyway. She seems like the type of person, just like a very male attribute, if I can be gendered in that way, of like, I don't know if I meet the right person. And Well, I think a lot of women feel like that too, for sure. The thing that scares the shit out of me is having the kid with the, with the wrong person. The thing that scares the shit out of me is the kid itself. Who is this kid? Are they healthy? Are they a little, we need to talk about Kevin? Like, you just don't know. Well, I told you that my TikTok feed, like a, a certain genre I get is just like sick child. And I've seen like Ugh. every possible variation that could go wrong in children. Like there's something called San Filippo disease, which is dementia in children. Oh my God. See, that's the worst thing I've ever heard. That just seems so hard and so terrible. I mean, yeah, if it could be guaranteed that my child was like a little gay boy with like no major psychological or medical issues great sign me up where do i sign up i mean i guess maybe that's why it's about adoption i also get that woman on tiktok who's like adoption is the worst thing you can do you're not entitled to a child and she doesn't really explain like what the alternative is but shouldn't okay be do- that seems like a bad take shouldn't be doing that shit either so i guess we'll just remain childless with our dogs for the time being it's not so bad either just living that Ina Garten, Jennifer Aniston lifestyle. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. 
That's, you know, and that's who Candace Bushnell actually is. Ina Garten? No, but she never wanted to have children. Yeah. She never had children. She is very happy with her decision, despite the sort of misquote where she, it was widely reported that she regretted not having kids, but that wasn't, you know. Do you remember that? I do. And it's like a valid. It was a misquote. It wasn't like what she actually said. Yeah, but it is a valid fear to be like, who's going to take care of me when I'm older? Of course, that's a valid fear, but not necessarily a reason to have kids if you don't want them. It's a lot of labor to put in beforehand. Yeah. Anyway, this has been, again, an oddly, deeply personal episode. I hope you guys enjoyed this uh, view into our personal lives in a way. Well, it's a very moving and real episode. More so than other episodes of Sex in the City. And I do love that it has this bittersweet ending to it, which I do think re- represents a lot of women's experiences when they think they're pregnant, then they realize they're not or whatever, you know? Yes, it does, Chelsea. Exactly. <laughs> so what are our ratings for this? Oh, man. Do we just want to do like 10 Manolos? I'm giving it 10 Manolos. Let's give it 10 Manolos. Because this has just edgy, dark, fucking hilarious writing. It has a flashback, which is great. It really has everything, right? And it has, and by everything I mean, even the stuff that they phased out of the show. The people talking to camera, Carrie talking to camera, a flashback, the darker subtext of the show that existed in the first two seasons. Yeah, and for the representation of women that aren't interested in having children on television. And for validating the bittersweet experiences of single people without kids that go to baby showers, you know? That's true. It's just... Where's our day? People with pregnancy scares. This, This There's so much that you can relate to in this episode. And I think it's just cool. And incredible performances from the whole cast. No one has a shitty plot line in this episode. Everything comes together perfectly. It's an oddly humanistic episode, especially when you think about your idea of Sex and the City, which is a lot of our feelings about And Just Like That is because it didn't match our feelings about Sex and the City. But I would say that the tone of this episode is more similar to what we got in season one of And Just Like That. Totally. Or what And Just Like That could be if they wanted to go a bit deeper than Sex and the City did on their average episode. I think season two is going to be all right. I think so too. I love season one. Obviously, we we had our criticisms, but ultimately it was a very watchable and fun show. Also, we crash landed into a very different type of show. And now that we've acclimated, it's like, okay, this is what the show is now. I'm ready. Are we going to do another Sex and the City episode before the year is out? Yeah. Yeah, we'll do one in December for sure. Okay, you guys have given us so many recommendations about the episodes we should do. So we'll pull one. We'll pick one from from a, a hotline call or something. All right, guys, thank you for listening, and we'll be back next week. Bye, guys. Bye.